Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Hello, I'm Marcus Turner, hanging out with Ina Esco and Verbally Effective. I'm the owner and founder of Marcus T. Turner and Associates and Turnkey Enterprises, LLC. Hey, it's your girl Candice Rice, a.k.a. Pimp Fried Rice from MTV's Floor, Bama Shore, and I am on Verbally Effective with Ina Esco. Chelsea Chandler is the morning meteorologist and time saver traffic reporter on Local 24 News Good Day Memphis weekdays 5 to 7 a.m. and middays 11 to 12, as well as co-anchoring Memphis This Morning 9 to 10. She has been recognized as the Commercial Appeals Memphis Most as Best TV Weather Person three times and by the Memphis Flyer as Best of Memphis twice for her work as a morning meteorologist. Chelsea is a Mid-South native and has deep-seated roots in the community. She is a graduate of Briarcrest Christian High School, studied meteorology at Penn State University and Christian Brothers University. She has multiple degrees studying psychology, music, history, and is currently studying advanced meteorology and geology at Mississippi State. She was also crowned Miss Tennessee International in 2012. Chelsea has always been a singer, She was a two-time American Idol Hollywood finalist and has performed on The Late Show with Craig Ferguson, The Tyra Banks Show, and Larry the Cable Guy, as well as Carnival Cruise Ships, Disneyland, and Traveled the Country Performing. She has recorded three albums that are mostly country blues-ish, recorded with several EDM DJs, and performed with them across Florida. She's also had a band that played all over the city, basically covered everything from classic rock, country, blues, and oldies. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 145 of the Verbally Effective podcast. I have a beautiful young lady joining me today. We were both guests on our good friend Kevin Cerrito's trivia game, which was virtual. And I see her on TV all the time. I said, I got to get her on the Verbally Effective podcast. So me and Sanaa hooked it up. She is the morning meteorologist and time saver traffic reporter over there at Local 24 News, Good Day Memphis. She's also co-anchoring. She's been on American 
Idol, uh, what Miss Tennessee. She done did so much stuff. We're gonna talk about it all today. Welcome, welcome, Chelsea Chandler. How are you, beautiful? I'm doing good. I'm hiding in my car. I call it my rolling tenement because based off my uh, job, I, I basically live in it. Um, but as you can see, I'm like hiding in the woods right now. <laughs> I see. Look, you're giving me good scenery in the background. So it's so all what good. I did is I drove around this entire parking lot. I'm at work uh, to find what would be the best lighting. <laughs> That That's is my TV. <laughs> that is the best, Chelsea. And you know, like I said, we see you on the news all the time. You have a beautiful personality, Chelsea. You have a you're you're gorgeous. You have a beautiful smile. And I said, I know there is so much behind that smile of Chelsea's. And then when you sent me your bio, I was like, whoa, baby. <laughs> like, she has really been through so many challenges and triumphs. So we're going to dig into a lot of that today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. I'm, I'm so glad that you want to share. And this is your first pod as well. So thank you, Chelsea, for joining. Yeah, no yeah. problem. I'm a, a honored to be a part of it. Yes, ma'am. We're going to get started. And the first question I ask all my guests, which part of Memphis are you from? Um, well, technically, I was uh, born and my first home was in Hickory Hill. So okay. I like to I like to tell people not to judge from the fact that I live in Germantown now. <laughs> right. And I spent most of my life in Germantown. I am definitely Memphis. Memphis. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how was it? But I grew up in Germantown. I mean, you grew up in Germantown. How was it growing yeah. up in Germantown? And tell me about, uh, you know, the school you attended and what were you into at a very young age, Chelsea? What was the last thing you said? It broke up the, what did I want to do when it was a young age? What was that? I, I said, tell me about you growing up in Germantown, the school you attended and some of the things that you were into as a young okay. Chelsea. All right. Well, uh, growing up in Germantown was, I mean, great. We moved there specifically for school for me because um, I had actually, and I hate this, this is where things get weird because I don't want to sit and like brag about myself, but um, I had been tested. They took me to a psychologist. I tested, I have an IQ, like a Mensa level IQ. And so um, I ended up moving ahead in school. And so at the time, Dogwood Elementary was the best elementary school um, in the state. Uh, I'm sure it's still pretty good, but we moved specifically for that reason. Um, and I stayed in the public school system up until high school. And the, reason, the only reason I changed, I was going to go to Houston High School. The only reason I changed was because um, I auditioned, because I'm a singer, I uh, always have been, and I auditioned. And I actually was told by the high school director that singing would not, I needed to search for other hobbies because singing would not be it for me. And so um, I told my mom I didn't want to go to school there. And so I went to Briarcrest um, and it was, um, it was an experience. I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> That's where you say the least, from, though, right? It is where I graduated from. I don't know that they acknowledge that I graduated from there, but I did. Exactly. Uh, Were you in the yeah. choir there? I was, yeah, of course. Um, but I will say, so I, um, I have learned now that I, you know, as I've become an adult, um, and this isn't exclusive to Germantown, just in general, I'm learning much more how much of a bubble I grew up in, right. um, you know, education-wise, 
the censorship that is a part of education, especially in a, you know, a private Christian school. Um, so, you know, I, I thankfully, I'm thankful for the, a lot of the life experience I have. Uh, otherwise, I would be just a, a completely naive and oblivious to the real world. But, um, you know, things I was into were none of the traditional things. I started out um, dancing and skating, and I actually was a junior Olympic figure skater. Um, and I was on the Memphis speed team for speed skate. Girl, I lived at Easton skating rink. Did that you? was where I was. Yes. yes. I told you. I told you I was Memphis. I lived in Hickory Hill. All right. <laughs> We've so, all been to East End. I, I love it. I love it. I wish I could go right now, but I'm scared of COVID. But wow. So well, June Olympics. Girl, you yes. was good. You was good, good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was young, but I, I have the whole, um, I had the whole, you know, get up. I don't know where it is now, but uh, my, you know, little leotard with the, with the rings. Um, I was very young though. You have to keep in mind, but I qualified and I skated to Beauty and the Beast, the actual song, Beauty and the Beast. That was my song. Um, but if you think about it, so um, I also was on the Memphis speed team. I'll get to that in a second, but you have to think, you have to visualize what those skating rinks look like. And if you think about it, you have like, Sorry, I talk with my hands for a living, so okay, I'm going to talk with my hands okay. constantly. But they have, like, those figure eights that are painted, mm-hmm. if you really think, or Google it, you know. Um, and a lot of the practice that I did learning first was there um, on those. So, like, when the skating rink was closed, I was with uh, my my coach and stuff, and we would, we would learn patterns and things like that um, that way. And then I was on the Memphis Speed Team, which was for racing, and I was too fast um I'm short don't get me wrong but I could I could skate I could get down low uh and I mean I had my pink bridal leather custom quads with my wicked eyed skate okay and my, and my inlines were for racing my quads were for jam skating uh but my inlines had my cherry bomb wheels I thought I was just it yes, but I want to see one of those uh, so I'm sure I can find it, but I used to race up against, I couldn't, I mean, I, I would beat, always beat my age. So I would always race up in age and I'd always ask if I could compete against the boys and they let me thinking like I would, wouldn't win, but I would. The problem was I could go fast, but I couldn't stop. Um, I did also didn't want to, because you know, like when people like do that skirt kind of thing, you mess yeah. up your wheels. Um, and I I wasn't going to do that, but if you remember the back wall, it's covered in carpet. Mm -hmm. And so I would just make that fine. Once I cross the finish line, I just make that lap. And my nickname for our team, I was always called wall crasher because I just braced myself. And that's just how I stopped. I could imagine you just going bap on. That's how I had to stop. I just had to brace myself. So wall crasher, that was my nickname. I've done it quite a few times, but, but not on your level, Chelsea, not on your level. So I'll tell you one of the best memories though, was my mother. I mean, I've had some of the most supportive parents ever, and I can remember exactly where my mom was. Not like she could, you know, tell me, you know, what to do, but I just, yay, Chelsea, like, you know, cheer me on all the time. So um, it was always nice to have that support. Wow. my whole life and on all the crazy things I've done but you know it started off with that um and horses I showed horses I traveled around the country my parents that's how my parents met was showing horses my mom's a world champion my dad is a judge for 30 something years he's a world champion uh, and then I ended up um doing the same um wow. I showed western pleasure um for years that's what I did every weekend but eventually you have to start picking and choosing and so 
Um, I ended up giving up skating, um, giving up dancing because I was showing horses. And then I sang. Um, and that was a passion that, like I always sang. My mom said when I was a baby, I would just mimic instrument noises in my seat, you know. Um, but it wasn't until I was 11 that I started taking actual lessons. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of went from there. And then I got to a point where I had to give up horses. Oh, uh, I, I represented, I was a high point winner for Tennessee for several years. So I represented um, at the world's largest quarter horse show. And, um, you know, I have some great memories from that. But uh, again, I, all over the place experiences. All over a lot the of, place, but a lot of good uh, places. <laughs> yeah, but I will say like a lot of things that like normal people did, I did, like the first time I went to a lake, I was in college, which okay. for down here is kind of weird. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but, you know, I got to do some really, different and unique things so very, very I'm, I'm great at parties because I can talk <laughs> about anything from I the weather I literally covered sports I, I literally can talk about everything wow okay so you said you had to make a decision and I heard you sing on Kevin's um trivia game and I said dang she got a voice on her like I'm talking about you can sing for real like is that like your ultimate passion or not. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's what I've always, when people ask, like, you know, tell me about yourself, like, the you know, one of the first things, now it's a little different, but I've always self-identified as a singer, and um, I think that's also why I was very confused, like, when I ended up going to college, um, I, I didn't know what I was doing, because in my mind, I was going to be a singer, and that's why I have so many, <laughs> so many different degrees, but um, singing and performing um, in general, uh, I just loved it. And, and I really, truly love competing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an incredibly competitive person. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the way I was raised. I mean, yeah. my parents pushed me. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like, well, if you don't win, we don't love you kind of thing. Right. But it was, it was um, like, for instance, when I was turning 16, like, if you get, you know, if you have A's, then you get an A car. If you got B's, <laughs> you get a B car. You know what I mean? Uh, and I will say though, my dad, my dad did notoriously tell me that second place was first loser. And, you know, that stuck with me for a while, but I mean, I loved competing. Um, I won so much money com competing, um, in Vegas alone, I won $50,000 singing. Um, so that was cool. Um, oh, wow. how old were yeah. you and what kind of contest was that in Vegas and how old were you when you participated in this Vegas big money 50k uh, I think it was like 19 and it actually worked out because I needed a new car and I was able to come home and pay cash and they looked at me like what mm. and I paid cash for um a basically a brand new um uh, it was a Honda Civic um so that was pretty cool that was nice yeah. you know um but I, I don't even remember what it was called I don't think it's even a thing anymore but um I <laughs> Anything like um, some of the coolest things I'll say every year I competed. Uh, I mostly was a country singer, country blues, rocky kind of singer, but um, really mostly country. Um, one of my favorite things to do though was to take songs that everybody knows, but then to like kind of put my own spin on it. And yeah. um, so, so some of the coolest things I did uh, Dolly Parton has a, a contest, uh, she, at least she used to, in Sevierville. Um, and so I won, but you have to, people don't realize that she has such a large music catalog yes, she and does. you had to, 
you had to sing a song that she wrote, but you couldn't use I Will Always Love You because everyone would sing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried to choose something obscure and I chose um, The Bargain Store. It's actually, you can actually find it on YouTube. But anyway, I ended up winning. But the cool mm-hmm. thing was, yeah, I got 500 bucks. The cool thing was though, um, I got a signed guitar from her. Mm. I got to perform at their their big festival and I love like bluegrass music and all that so it was really cool and I mean it's raining and you can hear the thunder in the background and people are just sitting like still sitting there listening to me sing and that was so cool but every summer I live to go to Loretta Lynn of all people oh I love Loretta Um, Lynn well I went to her competition and I'm the only person who ever won the whole thing so you have to win you're gonna be the top five for your your first round then you all go to the finals and I'm the only person to win as both an adult uh, and a youth but what I'll tell you what the coolest thing about it was is if you win you get to open up for her and it wasn't so much the opening up for her because I've opened up for uh like Keith Urban a, a bunch of people and that's been cool but what was really cool about her is that they don't have to sit and talk to you you know what I mean like you're you are essentially, it could be nobody to them. You know what I mean? But Loretta literally was like, bring her in here. I want to talk to her. Mm. And I came into her Pepto-Bismol pink um, <laughs> <laughs> dressing room that literally probably has been the same since 1974 on her <laughs> ranch. And she sat and literally just wanted to talk to me and just like, you know, just talk to me, tell me your passage. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And that was kind of a lesson for me. What I always wanted to be mm-hmm. is to make sure that I was always open like that. If anyone ever, you know, like pre-COVID, anytime anybody ever came up to me, I gave them a big hug. You know, I have people yeah. kiss me on the cheek. And, you know, sometimes that's weird, but like, I don't care. It's harmless 99% of the time. But, you know, I'll sit and talk to anybody, it, you know, if if they take the time to to watch or to, you know, come out and, come up and talk to me because for some people that may have taken some courage um I, I'm appreciative of that and yeah I think that may be a lesson that I, I took from from her yeah did she give you any good advice Loretta Lynn I don't even remember you don't remember <laughs> but you remember being with her can you play the guitar Chelsea uh so I in my life I have played at some point I've played um piano guitar violin and my grandfather taught me to play harmonica. But in the end, I ultimately chose soft fingers and long fingernails over <laughs> um, over instruments. Wow. Uh, I don't have long nails. I call my, my little boy hands right now because um, thanks to COVID, I haven't had my nails done since March. So Wow. Okay, Chelsea, we're going to back up a bit. Now, okay. I know you went to Penn State to study meteorology, and I heard you say you, you, you studied a few more things. Why did you choose meteorology, and what else did you study at Penn State? I, I did not choose meteorology. Actually, oh. meteorology chose me. So I started um, at CBU here in Memphis, okay. and in my mind, I was going to law school just because everyone always told me that I was stubborn and I could argue with the rock, and I was like, you're right, and I'll still win. <laughs> So I was going to go to law school. Uh, I have a passion. I love history. Um, so I was a history major. I was, I'm one of only two music um, people with the music to ever graduate uh, with degrees from CBU because they canceled the program after. <laughs> but um, that's also how I uh, paid for school. So I had a full ride to school. And this is, this is a fun fact. Uh, part of it I had was a, a sports 
scholarship, but I was not athletic. Uh, I had an athletic scholarship thanks to my momager who um, got a, a an athletic scholarship for me to sing the national anthem. Well, how does that work? At, um, an athletic sporting event. Oh, for really, she worked that out. <laughs> like it came out of their budget. Girl, yes, she did. She worked that out. Okay. She's Chris, Chris Jenner uh, 2.0, but not quite. Um, so, all right. So I went there and uh, after a year of history, I was like, this ain't it. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not enjoying this. And then I went through, I was like, well, what do I want to do? My mom was like, I don't know. Do you want to be a pharmacist? And I'm like, well, I'll try it out. Went there for a week of classes and I was like, hate it. The guy I was dating at the time was like, what about a teacher? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll try it. Couldn't even take the cellophane off my books. I was like, nope, that's not going to work. Mm. And so I ended up um, choosing psychology, but because CBU actually, their psychology is a bachelor of arts, unlike science, uh, bachelor of science, like at a lot of schools, um, I was able to, all of my undergraduate, basically all grants together for music and history. So I was able to study all three. Um, I just uh, took, sorry, uh, my, <laughs> my okay. phone may have went black for a second. Um, I, uh, I was able to, you know, do that all at the same time. And also, um, I just never took a, a break. Like I, I was, I think allowed to take 21 credits every semester. I never took summer off. Um, I always took classes so that I could graduate with those degrees. Now in meteorology, um, I, okay. So I have to back up cause I was Miss Tennessee and because I was Miss Tennessee, uh, Andrew Douglas, who's a dear friend of mine, we used to chat because I worked at Lifetime Fitness. And he was like, hey, would you ever be interested in doing traffic? And I was like, mm. okay, why not? I know the city like the inside, of, you know, backside of my hand. So I went and this doesn't really happen in TV. Normally it's a much longer process. But I, um, I went in and their consultant was in town. And I, I essentially was hired on the spot, which again, doesn't happen. Did that for a little while, had an accident, um, ended up in sports radio, was covering the Grizzlies, ended up getting a job offer from the Phoenix Suns, and then turned that down because ABC here in Memphis undercut them. And literally, I mean, when I say undercut them, like car was packed and I sent the GM a message and I said, I, my car is packed and I am gone at 2.30 tomorrow if you don't have a better offer. Mm. And they literally told me to go and I laid on my bedroom floor wailing, crying. Cause oh. I really didn't want to leave. I wanted to be in Memphis and I swear at like 10, 11 o'clock, I got a phone call. Hey, if you're still interested, um, we'd like to talk to you at, at tomorrow morning. And they offered me a job where I started doing traffic. Um, I covered the Grizzlies uh, a little bit of everything. I did commercials. I did a ho eventually a home restoration, which is the funniest <laughs> of all things. Uh, but uh, what happened was nobody wanted to work um, on our weather team. Nobody wanted to work Memorial Day. They're kind of all bickering about it. And they needed a fourth person. And so everyone looked at me. And um, my boss was like, would you be interested in going to school for meteorology? And I was like, yeah, okay, why not? Uh, well, the thing was, I um, started doing it. I filled in. Um, and I'd already been studying. Um, so I, I started out and it was just local storm teams, Chelsea Chandler. And then very quietly, we made the switch once I finished to you know, meteorologist. We didn't make a big to do about it because I hadn't finished school when I first was doing weather. 
Um, so the rule was, as long as there wasn't severe weather, at least at that point, I, I was good to go. And, and it was all fine. But that weekend, uh, man, I lost my grandmother on Thursday, mm. went to work on Friday, Saturday morning, had to cover the river run downtown because it was 901 fest weekend mm. for Memphis in May. Uh, day turn a package, then go live host in the field, uh, a telecast, then get a, then do my weather debut the next night, mm. do a turnaround, do weather Monday morning and Monday night, and then back Tuesday to do traffic. I was awarded a play month that month for <laughs> obvious reasons, but uh, I, yeah. that was, that was Memorial Day weekend. And then our morning meteorologist, she quit um, June 25th. And so I started doing weather and traffic every day. And I, I've, I, one of the few times I can say I've never prayed harder in my life. I'm like, please look, Lord, please let it be 75 and sunny every day. Uh, <laughs> and it's the middle of the summer and you know, that doesn't happen. And I swear to you, at least my first week, it was like perfect. So I, you know, oh, my you stress level was a little bit further down. You had it good that first week. Wow. Let me ask But you I didn't get it handed to me. They actually brought people in and I, I still got the job. Like I, they still chose me over um, the other people. So, right. and, and you completed everything at Penn State. So it seems meteorology was so different from everything that you were involved in. So how did you like it? Was like, was that experience a breath of fresh air? Did you like it no. or no? No, <laughs> I've always told people growing up, I hated math and science and I avoided it like the plague. And now ironically, I'm a scientist um, and I'm actually back in school uh, at Mississippi State online, uh, taking some advanced courses um, for meteorology and geology in order to wow. get my, uh, my seals and some advanced weather seals. Um, more so uh, just because I want to have I mean, every day, like, I enjoy being a part of everybody, everyone's, you know, everyday life. But more importantly, um, I feel confident in my ability to track severe weather. But um, I just want to be the best that I can be when potentially people's lives are on the line, you know. And um, so that's just something I'm investing in myself um, and in our team. So that's good. Uh, and you know, yeah, like good. when that severe weather happens, it's like go time for you meteorologists. Like we are zoomed into what you say because look, it's just cutting up outside and we need to know what's going on. Is that like hectic for you all when it's like crunch time with a severe, I'm talking about damn near tornadic activity. Y'all up in the studio, like you may be like, you know, bracing for your life too. Like how is the pressure of those periods on the news, meteorology. It's draining, I will say, when you get breakouts, um, when you're on hours I mean, at a time, but that's why we have team coverage. But even then, um, it's all about communication and we work really well with that, but it is stressful. And sometimes you're, you're in the adrenaline of it and it's really, you feel it at the end that it's like the oof. Or I can say, um, two, when looking at the radar and looking at the different tools we have, I, I mean, some people won't do this. Some people will only wait until it's 100% been confirmed by either someone seeing it or the National Weather Service. But I mean, we, for the most part, can look at that radar and we're like, oh no, that's, that's definitely a tornado on the ground. Um, and I've had only one time while I was on air, I had to mute my mic and call my parents 
to make sure that they got in the closet mm. because you got to keep in mind, like I'm thinking about family and friends, but also the general public too. Um, we've never had any instantly, at least when I was there that I was concerned, we've lost power a couple times, but, um, I mean, you keep going. Um, mm. And especially probably the worst is during uh, hurricanes, which sounds crazy because you get spin up tornadoes and they can last for four minutes and you can have one year we had um, like 37 of them. Uh, and that was taxing. Uh, it's also hard to um, both in traffic and weather because you're potentially also reporting about death and loss of everything. And we've seen that. Um, probably my first real taste of that was Christmas of, I believe it was 2014 in Mississippi, Holly Springs. Uh, there was a child. It was right, literally right before Christmas. It was like um, December 22nd. Because um, this is technically secondary severe weather season. We consider the main severe weather season um, when the transition from winter to spring. But Honestly, living in the South, it's always severe weather season. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, we have enough heat and humidity, but that was, I mean, seeing it firsthand, same with traffic. Um, you know, I would report about pedestrian accidents all the time, and then I actually watched someone be hit and killed on the interstate, uh, and uh, that was that was very hard, but it also made it very real. And I think changed me in the way that I present uh, things like that. Because before it was, here's your traffic update. You know, there's a pedestrian that's been struck. Almost losing the human side of the fact that there's a, there's a person that's literally just been hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but then seeing it live and in person, I mean, I lost it. So, um, it. yeah. Wow. Well, Chelsea, I want to talk to you about some of the pressures of being in the media because, you know, I'm going to say this. I don't see a lot of women meteorologists in Memphis. I see a couple, I mean, but I see more men, I think, across all of the major networks here. And you do an absolutely wonderful job. But I do know that oh, you have you. a personal life as well. And you all have to present, you know, you have to do your job. So how do you handle, you know, pressures, um, I guess, on a personal level and have to put your face on for, you know, all of us to see you doing your job? Tell me about that. Um, well, there's no such thing as an off day. You're not allowed. I mean, they don't exist. We're not really allowed to have those. Um, I think people can tell when you're sick. I mean, and you're, you know, you're pulling through. But for the most part. I see nationally a lot of people talk about how some of their viewers just send the most hateful things. Um, I've actually been really fortunate. Most viewers here in Memphis have been incredibly kind and supportive. And, you know, most comments I get are like, where do you get your dresses and things mm -hmm. like that, you know, but you do have to pick and choose because you do give up a certain level of um, privacy because, um, part of being a personality is letting people in and letting people know who you are because the one the main thing I've always said is I want I, I'm, I'm going to be me on air and I'm very fortunate that I have bosses that let me be 100% me on air you know a lot of places wouldn't let that happen they're they're a little more guarded and I mean if you just look at my twitter feed some of them, yeah. I, I mean, I present your letter, personality. Yes, love but it. I present it the way I would talk to my friends or anybody because I want. I think the biggest compliment I ever got 
it wasn't even to me. It was to my friend by my boss, my former boss, actually. And he said that I talked to people, not at people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's really important to me. But I mean, you're always going to have people that say hateful things, but it's the way that you respond it. Some people choose to just ignore it completely. Um, I function under the hurt people, hurt people kind of thing. And so I always respond, you know, like, I'm sorry that, you know, whatever it is, you know, but I hope whatever is, I hope you have a better day tomorrow, you know, or if someone just says something absolutely egregious, I have absolutely no problem dragging them all online um, when necessary. (laughs) Yes, you do. I've seen it happen. Starting first and foremost, you know what, I may even get in trouble for saying this, but I don't care. First and foremost with MLGW. Uh, when they love to put out, they used to, I think they've learned their lesson at this point, but they used to love to put out, uh, press releases about how these storms that they did not know, you know, were coming and we're like, Oh, we've only talked about it for a week, but you know, blame all, blame us. And so I used to, I mean, drag them every chance I got and they, drag um, them, girl, they, they are a they, monopoly here. <laughs> they came to, I was in, I was out of town, but they came to my station and requested that I back <laughs> No, no. Oh, they single. I did it. No, no. I did it. Girl, no. <laughs> if you're if you're still gonna listen, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do my job, do your job and quit point, you know, just own it. When I make a mistake, that's the one thing too. When I first started, I was really hard on myself as far as like if I made an error, like I wanted to be perfect. And I took it really hard if like the smallest thing in my forecast wasn't one hundred percent accurate. And I have to remind myself like you're literally predicting the future. Like you're doing, right. you're doing the best you can. You know what you I mean? Are. And, and I think people, <laughs> yeah, my nature gonna do what she wanna do. And um, I think people realize that for the most part, but um, you know, um, I don't know where I was going with that. I was just saying that I, I was hard on myself. Oh, um, <laughs> now I'm very self-deprecating. Okay. Like I'll, I'll make an error. Like yesterday I had a spelling error. I spelt danger without an N. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna fix that. You know, it's like, like <laughs> I own it. I don't try to cover it up. I'm like, y'all, it's early. You know, yeah. like I, I just, am, you know, I try to keep it. I don't. That sounds corny to say keep it real, but I mean, again, I, I just you tell did. you the weather like I, just you like did. I'm talking to you right now. We love you on TV. We love you on social media. Um, yeah, I, I follow you on Twitter. You know, I'm always commenting on your posts. But um, you know, I know a lot of people may not know about some of the personal things that have been going on in your life. And you mentioned to me that you were 50 pounds heavier. What, just how long ago? December. December. About a year. I mean, now it's been about a year. Yeah. So you've lost this weight, honey, and you are glowing. And, um, you know, I was just reading over your bio um, again, and you've had quite a few tragedies in your life. Um, I saw that you've lost your brother um, 10 years ago. Could you talk to us about that? Um, are you open yeah. to talking about that? I, I have no problem talking about it, actually. Um, I have done a lot of work. So, I, okay, just so January 1st, 2011, um, my brother committed suicide. And um, I think at first it was more, I mean, you go through the stages of grief and the first is, uh, you know, disbelief almost. Um, uh, but I very quickly um, turned that into a platform because I realized that mental health was something that was in dire need of breaking that barrier of talking about it. So 
when I, when I went through the process of Miss Tennessee, actually, that was my platform. It was um, suicide. Sorry, I went black for a second there. Um, suicide awareness, voices of education. Um, that was what um, I wanted to do was talk. And, and so I am open to talking about it. But I mean, that's hard. Yeah, it is. The 10 year anniversary will be January 1st. And um, there's some really messed up things uh, associated with that. He wanted us to remember it. So it was one, 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 one. So we'll never forget it. Um, you know, my brother, he did leave two um, beautiful daughters behind. Um, and the circumstances behind it were, were uh, very, um, I can get, I don't get angry a lot, um, but um, how do I say this? Uh, having someone say that the world, tell my brother that the world would be better off without him and that he wasn't man enough to pull the trigger and knowing that um that that's enough to make you pretty angry you know um but since then i've tried to be very open about my own mental health struggles um i had an accident um that uh almost killed me i almost had my arm amputated my own dog attacked me um how did that happen, we can, Chelsea? what happened with um, your dog? how long did you have the dog he just flipped one day um, I had him for four years and yeah, it just happened. Um, and he bit the back of my leg. So I actually don't have feeling in the back of my right thigh. I've got dog bite marks all over my body. Um, and actually that anniversary, this is a hard time of year for me, uh, comes up in December. Um, and I still get pains in my arm. Um, I had some issues with some edema this past year. And I mean, it's been a while. I got a plate and six screws in my arm, but they almost had to amputate because the tooth penetrated the bone, but I was actually diagnosed with PTSD uh, at the time, um, which most people only associate with veterans, um, but uh, it can happen to anybody who, who experienced some sort of traumatic event. I was waking up in the middle of the night screaming, mm. uh, but the point, the reason I say that is because I now, I don't, I don't have those types of symptoms now, but I am more prone to depression and anxiety, and that is something that I've struggled with, um, especially the last um, several years of my life, um, you know, and I finally, you, you mentioned like, you know, the, the glow or whatever. It's because I finally have found that balance. I finally took control, uh, finding uh, therapy, getting medications in check and um, being open about it. Talk about it. I talk about it on air all the time. Um, and it all starts because my brother, because I feel like, you know, had I known more then, you know, maybe I would have, you, you'd always, it's always the what ifs, you know, like what if I had known, would I have been able to um, change it? Like he was apparently very, um, becoming very withdrawn. That side of my family is from, my dad's side of the family is from um, Atlanta. So they were down there and apparently it had just been at Thanksgiving and he had been very withdrawn. And so I, I invited him because it was my second year as a Hollywood finalist on American Idol. And you can have one guest. And I was like, hey, let's get you out. Let's get you do something cool. And he wouldn't go. Um, and then I got back and uh, I was actually sitting at a yogurt shop and I got a phone call from my mom. And my mom is normally, I mean, my mom is the sweetest soul you'll ever meet. And it was, you could tell it was something bad and she would not tell me on the phone. She's like, you need to get home and you need to get home now. And I remember they were standing in the, the driveway waiting for me and when they told me I just screamed and I just was down on the ground and um 
seeing him. I mean, it was still an open casket. Uh, it was very, he put a lot of thought into it. I'll tell you that. But, um, what I will say is that, um, this is actually something I learned from Ginger Z, who is the chief meteorologist for ABC, who I've become actually friends with. Uh, I interviewed her this summer because she told me about how she tried to commit suicide twice right before she checked herself into a mental facility, right as she, um, got her dream job at ABC, you know, and, um, she made a point and, and so I want to give her credit to it. You know, when you're sick, you go to the doctor and mental illness is the same thing. When you're sick, you need to get help yeah. and you shouldn't be afraid to do that. And it's kind of like alcoholism and drug use. When we used to view people who, uh, sought, uh, help with, um, going to rehab, it was always like, oh, it's a scandal. But now we're like, good for you for, you know, taking, um, you know, charge of your life, uh, things like that. Um, so uh, that would be um, how we would like to see things progress with mental health. It's just unfortunately not, we're not there yet. I like to break that stigma. And that's really what a goal is for me um, yeah. in the, moving forward. Unfortunately, I think uh, we may have to pick this up in a minute because I just got a message from my boss. I think, yes. what time is it? Okay, Verbally Effective audience. We had to take a brief pause, but we're back. And I'm sure you've heard Chelsea talking about, um, you know, her brother committing suicide and how she dealt with that and is an advocate for mental health and dealing with her own struggles. And, you know, Chelsea, that leads me to this question. Um, being a local celebrity here in Memphis, right? How do you handle dating and relationships? Is that a struggle or is it easy? Uh -oh. Okay. So, um, well, I mean, I was in a very public relationship for a long time. And so again, like I mentioned earlier, um, when you do choose to work in it in an industry where, um, you're, I mean, you do give up a, a certain level of privacy, um, but that's because for me, some people, you know, give up more than others. And I want people to, to be a part of my life and feel like they know me because again, like I've said, like you're, what you see is what you get. Like, this is, this is who I am, you know? Um, and I think I learned some lessons because, uh, you know, they always say like the people who post pictures and are constantly trying to convince people look how happy I am you know right, um, yeah. I think that that's what I became mm. uh, I was trying to convince myself um, that things were okay and they weren't and um, you know I'm, I'm dating someone who is amazing um, but I've chosen to keep that part of my life private um, just because I want to have some something of my own you know I'm, I'm a complete open book you everyone knows all about you know my dogs and parents and family but at least right for right now you know I'd like to just um protect it you know because uh, I will say that it, again in the past there were you know people would make some comments not necessarily towards me but just you know unsolicited comments about my relationship and yeah. things like that. And I don't know, right now I'm, I'm hyper, hyper vigilant about just protecting that and, and him um, more so. 
Yeah, well, that's a good thing, Chelsea, because, you know, with uh, being a local celebrity or I wouldn't even just say local for in your case, but I I think that there should be some mystery to some of the personalities. It's good to share and it's good to relate to people, but a little mystery isn't bad. So in that love life department, you might want to stick to your guns on that one because you said everything going good. And um, am I hearing wedding bells song? Am I hearing them? No, not, not that I'm aware of. I mean, <laughs> just for everyone, everyone always gets confused because the image is reversed. This is my grandmother's ring. Okay. Everyone is like, oh, what about that ring? Nope. Wrong hands. <laughs> Wrong hands. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Uh, not that I'm aware of. No. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, the holidays are around the corner. So we shall see in that love life department hopefully you know at least if you get engaged let us know about it Chelsea but uh, well yeah no that I think I mean honestly and even again referencing the past uh, I waited a full year before I even posted about that relationship and I was everyone knew it was very public um yeah but I waited a whole year before I put that out there and again it's just also because I don't ever want to be one of those girls that's like this is the guy I'm dating now, and this is the guy I'm dating now. Right. You know what I mean? Like, got you, uh, got you. Gotcha. You know, yeah. I, I feel you, Chelsea. Wow. Now, you know, I know you use your social media platforms, you know, very well. How has social media impacted your life? Would you say uh, a lot, um, in good ways and bad ways. Um, when I was in a more self-conscious, I told you, like this whole process. Um, of, you know, finding myself, getting myself healthy. Uh, I think maybe even for the first time in my life, I can honestly say like, I love myself. And, um, you know, they say, don't read the comments for a reason, but like, I'm going to read the comments. Everyone reads the comments. Um, <laughs> they read like the comments, girl. <laughs> everybody reads the comments. Everyone does. It's just, just it's up to you how you respond to them and handle them, you know? Uh, but again, I've, I have been fortunate about people being nice, but um I think that some things, especially if I'm maybe having like a down day or a down week, like something that normally wouldn't bother me may hurt a little bit more, you know, like y'all, I I mean, I do, we don't have people to do our hair and makeup and all this kind of stuff. Uh And I was at home and, and, you know, somebody made some comment about how I look like a man in makeup. And I was like, no wait what <laughs> me <laughs> I was like that's a that's a first for me but um it it was it was bad lighting I mean I'm from home whatever but like that kind of you know that got me but um for the most part the honestly I think social media is a amazing thing in the sense that I love that I can connect instantaneously to the people that um are viewers or followers you know uh, I love where some people like don't want to deal with that at all. Like I love it. I'm like, message me. You can, you know, do all this stuff. Like I want to talk to you. You know, if you ever go look at my posts, very rarely do I just not respond to somebody, right. you know, like I, I want to talk to people. Um, because again, I want to get to know them because uh, that's the whole point of my job from my perspective is, or not just mine, our whole job. Mm-hmm. Um, is serving y'all uh in whatever aspect that is yeah. um 
And, and so I think social media is great because I've met a lot of people both locally. I've connected with people um, that I may never have, you know, before. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great way to, again, promote yourself, market yourself. Um, but I just, I would say, just like I had mentioned earlier, all that glitters isn't gold. Um, you know, you can't believe everything you see on social media because, you know, um, people, it's a highlight reel. And I think that that is what people need to, to realize. So I try when I am down or going through something, I try to post uh, honestly about that um, yeah. and show that vulnerability in hopes that maybe somebody else will see that. And anytime I have posted about it, I have gotten a lot of, you know, comments like personal, like uh, messages and things like that uh, about people being like, you know, uh, sometimes it's encouraging, but also um, it's crazy to hear you say that, you know, because it seems like you have everything, uh, but it also is very empowering because I'm going through X, Y, or Z, you know? Um, but again, like I said, all that glitters, it's gold. People may think that you have the world in your hands, but um, sometimes the world gets pretty heavy and, you know, um, again, like I said, there's no such thing as an off day, yeah. uh, and days that are, that are off days that I have to, um, that would honestly are, are really not very few and far between. This is back when I was going through some things. Um, the days when I had to dig deep to find it, um, were exhausting because it took two to three times the effort to smile. And honestly, if you just want to go through and scroll through my social media, look at the difference in the way I smile. You can tell when I'm smiling and when I'm smiling. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like um I I'm truly happy. And I can't I can't tell you the last time I've been able to say that. And yeah, I have been through a lot, but everything that I've been through has shaped me in one way or another. And I wouldn't I mean, of course, I want my brother back. I'd love, you know, and my family unit to be together. Yeah. But since that isn't realistic, you know, um, you know, people always say, well, I wouldn't change anything. You know, that, that's a broad statement. I do believe I'm where I'm meant to be, that um, God has had a plan for me because I very much have fallen up, up a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I've been fortunate. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's just yeah and I don't know how to change things now are you and your nieces very close so no um uh I would say that we were a lot closer um but honestly the death of my brother um that actually when I started doing more advocate advocating for it um my family didn't 100% back it. And um, because, I mean, it was associated at first to Miss Tennessee. And I could 100% see their side where they think that it's done from a, this is done for a selfish intent. You know what I mean? For a personal gain of some kind. But, um, no, that wasn't the case. But you know, when people make up their mind, perception is reality. And um, 
I mean, 10 years later, here we are. And I'm actually, and I'll just tell you, uh, the reason, one of the reasons we had to pause was because I was talking to um, my boss, because actually, you know, my therapist, when uh, we were talking, was like, you have the platform, it's your passion, why aren't you doing more? And I was like, you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. And um, I actually met, we've been meeting about this for months. And um, my original plan was to, to start some things with mental health um, in September for Suicide Awareness uh, Month. And then with COVID and everything going on in the world, uh, you know, things just didn't work out. And at first, um, I, I was I was pretty butthurt about it because I was like, the whole point was to <laughs> to start, you know. But then it was like, again, it was divine intervention. It was, you know, uh, now it's going to be something more in his memory that I can start this and hopefully help some people in our community. And it's not going to be, you'll hear from me, but it won't, it won't be just me. It's going to be, I can't tell you a lot about it, but okay. I'm, a, I'm about to bring a little tease, uh, mainly because it isn't all put together, <laughs> but um, so I can't talk a ton about it, uh, mainly because it's still, there are a lot of, still a lot of moving pieces, um, because also I, you know, I care so much about it. Mm -hmm. I want it to be done right. And again, it isn't, I don't want this to just be my voice. This is going to be, you know, like um, the voice of the community. And um, my goal is, again, to destigmatize um, mental health because four out of 10 people never get help for any kind of mental illness or disorder, um, whether it's a bout of depression, clinical, long-term depression. Um, I, there are 43 million people in America alone have, uh, I believe, three or more different mental illnesses at the same time and are yeah. either either know it or are completely unaware, you know, and um, I think a lot of that, especially in certain communities, um, uh, it's very much shunned and frowned upon. Yeah. Um, and I've even experienced that in my career, like uh, certain people that have tried to, I don't want to say silence me because that's not the right word, um, but in fear of how the public might perceive me, um, a protective way, uh, if I came out and said, um, yeah, I, I struggle with depression and anxiety, if that's going to make them look at me differently. And if that makes someone look at me differently, then Right, because so many of us are, you know, like the statistics are astounding. And, yeah, you know, I, I think it's great that you're trying to, um, you know, doing your advocacy work. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what you have coming up in the areas of mental health awareness. If you need any help in anything, let me know as well, because that's something uh, that yeah. I would like to use my platform for as well. Because, I mean, I could think about um some of my aunts and some of my uncles and my family like like you know uh, oh I got a crazy uncle he's not really crazy it's like he suffered from mental issues but like people say okay that's your crazy uncle but people really struggle mentally in so many ways so um I'm glad it is getting destigmatized so I applaud the work that you're doing Chelsea 
Well, thank you. But I will say with the word crazy, I've always kind of had a problem with that because that's a go-to, especially yeah. uh, against women. Um, you know, that girl's crazy or my ex-girlfriend is crazy in this kind right. of stuff. And that continues to proliferate. Um, and that also can become derogatory as well. I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to um, compare it to like the R word um, where, you know, we've kind of gotten rid of that. Cause that, that is obviously insulting too, but like for someone who truly does suffer from something by throwing around, Oh, they're crazy. That yeah. may hinder them feeling comfortable coming Talking to you that. for, right. for help. And that's what the thing is, is, you know, men struggle, I think probably more than women. Cause we, uh, I'm a crier. I cry we're all so emotional and, and we're more prone to talking about something. We're great communicators. Most of us are, um, I would say better than men and they just hold everything in the men. But a lot of that, you know, and, um, I'm even going to go back uh, to my brother and my father. So my dad has just turned 80 this year. Wow. Um, and talk about a man of resilience. Like <laughs> I get a, my nine lives. I joke that we have nine, the Chandlers have nine lives because of the things that have happened. Uh, for instance, my dad had a, a cerebral aneurysm, had four brain operations, spent six weeks in ICU, 75 or so percent of people dropped dead instantly. Most people don't survive it or at least have a stroke or never the same. My dad's probably better off, but um, he's broken his back, all kinds of stuff. But the point was uh, of all of that is that he's born in 1940. Um, you know, dad fought in World War II. Um, you get a lot of that, just throw some dirt on it. You know, uh, just, you know, you'll be fine. And right. I, I saw that in my father when my dad, when my brother passed away. Um, I felt like my dad felt like, I don't know, and I don't want to speak for him, and he'll watch this, and and, and, and if you do daddy, it's not meant uh, in a bad way, but uh, it's more so, I don't know if he was trying to be strong for the family, or if it's because it's been so ingrained in him that emotion is something to be kept inside, I'm but... Sure. I don't remember seeing my dad cry, but I think that that was more out of disbelief and out of trying to be, to shoulder it all for everyone else, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but again, I think it's a generational thing. I think it's a, um, I do believe it's um, also a, a male, female, you know, thing. Um, and then also it's getting worse. Uh, even a time, and I know I'm all over the place, which is, you know, makes, sorry, it makes, it make it hard for you. Uh, <laughs> no, you're like, fine. With, you're fine. You are fine. We're on track with you, Chelsea. <laughs> with social media, especially too, um, we're seeing where that is now. Um, I mean, actually that became, people are just now noticing it now. Like there was a very, the very famous case with a girl over text message. Mm -hmm. They'd only met the guy once and convinced him to commit suicide, but when I, I mean, 10 years ago to around 10 years ago, they actually passed um, a law that it could be proved um, if there was intent, um, like in bullying, if they could prove that your bullying is what caused someone's death, that you could be charged. Um, I remember so this has been that. going on for a while, yeah. um, but I just don't think it had gotten as much um, attention. But now we're seeing the real negative side of social media, which we were getting to with um, the exposure 
especially right now, which, which I'm like, you know, kind of removed from, I don't have kids, uh, but talking to people who have, um, my coworker who has a sibling who is going through right now, um, online school, you know, she says the bullying is just really? gotten so much worse with online yeah, but, virtual learning, right? Yeah. Because I, I mean, you don't have the opportunity to be that snide remark. I don't know what, I, mean, I don't know what they do now, but I mean, like for me, it was, you know, the, the snide remarks in the, the, uh, lunchroom or, yeah. you know, the comments in the hallway. Well, we don't, we don't have that right now. Nope. Everything's online <laughs> nope. and everything is either, um, you know, people are keyboard warriors and, yes. um, there's a, there's a song by Lily Allen that is like a perfect example. It's about this guy who just would, tear her apart but he like lived in his mom's basement and he would just sit and just troll all day long and you know what what I always say is hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. and um that's why anytime if I ever feel like someone's taking something out on me that's why I always respond I try to respond with compassion and caring and caring um because I assume if you're gonna attack a stranger because you don't most people I mean you don't know me mm -hmm. I was just I was I was um, kind of a, attacked online by someone that I actually do know the other day, but I, uh, I'm, I told him, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. The other thing too is um, just the fair warning. Uh, I've told you I have no problem when necessary dragging you from Timbuktu <laughs> and back. No, but also I have, a, I have some fierce, fiercely loyal followers mm -hmm. that I know that I don't have to take. I just leave it. I just let it lie and it's taken care of. Like you have a Chelsea hive, a Chelsea hive. I, well, well we got to come up with some, we can't call it the hive. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's, uh, I can't, I will say there is one, there's one, um, fan of mine that has called me the Beyonce of weather since, um, I've started. And that was like at the time, the biggest compliment of my life, but no, I am not com I am not comfortable calling it a hive, but I will say okay. that I do have some, I do have some very loyal fans, and then, and that uh, is a testament, you know, to these the awards that I've won. Because yes. I, even, if you even look, I even I'll tell you, I'm like, uh, I don't get it, but thank you, you know what I mean? Like, congratulations, Chelsea! I see you. that you were voted uh, Memphis Flyers Best Meteorologist. I voted for you. <laughs> I voted for you too, and also uh, the Commercial Appeal you received an award as well. How do you feel when you get these accolades, Chelsea? Uncomfortable, um, <laughs> but uh, because I know I'm gonna have to talk about it on air. Um, but I, oh, that I don't like, being off though. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. but I also don't like bragging on myself and I feel, you know, but I feel so, I genuinely, genuinely like don't have, you can see I'm struggling for words. This is one of the first times, you know, that that's happened since we've been talking, um, because I am very appreciative. And I guess I don't realize sometimes the reach or the impact I have. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm up against people who are like my mentors. People don't re probably realize this. Like people probably view us like um, Anchorman. Like we're like, assemble your news team. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's not like that. Like I have a group chat with um Brittany Bryant and uh, Brittany at Fox 13. So we have our girl, little weather um, 
text group every morning and like we'll ha- I mean if somebody's got something wrong or somebody's like hey such and such just got issued you know heads up or something like that like we watch out we watch those backs and so yeah. you're you're um these are friends and you know colleagues and competitors but like let's use Ron Childers for an example I love Ron Childers who doesn't who doesn't <laughs> yes. but here's the deal what people don't realize is that I've known Ron Childers since I was at least 10 years old. He and my dad used to lift weights together. I graduated high school with his daughter. Then he was the morning meteorologist when I did traffic at Channel 5. And so Ron has always been, and still to this day, um, when I need advice, like that's, Ron Childers is my mentor. And so when I see my name next to his, that in and of itself is an honor. So yeah. when I see my name above his, that's hard. That's hard for me. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because I, like, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't get it, but thank you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I got a lot of, I got a lot of friends and um, I got a, I got a, again, a momager. Uh, <laughs> I need to meet your mama. I need to meet your mama because uh, I'm. I, Part two I have listen. mama in it and daddy in it because yes. I, I won't even have to talk. I do feel bad for anybody who comes in contact with my dad when he is working because they'll know my whole life story and they're like, "Cool, we just needed you to take pictures <laughs> of our house." Well, like, like, you've had such a great support system, Chelsea. So, absolutely. you know, all of this hard work is paying off and you deserve every accolade that you get. And congratulations. And it's it's good to toot your own horn. It is. And like, people, well, yes. actually, Ron told me that too. He said, uh, be your biggest, you know, yeah. uh, be your biggest fan. Um, yeah. because, you know because never you're getting your lose an opportunity. Now. Right, yeah. and your flowers while you're here. So many people have achieved so much and were never thanked for it, you know, like until they're gone. And, you know, yeah. so it's wonderful. And congratulations. It's, I'm, well, I'm so you. proud of you, lady. It's I, validating too, because yeah. I will say, um, because of the way I came into the industry too, um, I kind of came in with a chip on my shoulder because I always felt like I had something to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that that's validating in and of itself. Um, and it's extremely um, it's extremely humbling. Obviously, like I mean, again, I, I, it's I'm a very appreciative of it all. Um, but I will tell you that um, I, the reason I think I am seeing my name above Ron Childers is because um, I make it very clear any chance I get bad weather. That's all Ron. You I'm only responsible for the good weather. So <laughs> I think I think people are picking up on that. And so um that's kind of Wow, that's, that's what, what it's it all is. about. Wow. That's what it is. You know what, Chelsea, it seems like um your schedule is very hectic. Um, you know, like I, I heard you mention like you hardly you hardly are off. What does Chelsea do when she has downtime? What do you do to relax? Uh, uh, do you know what I that sleep. word means? <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I told you um, I'm taking those advanced courses. So um, right. I'm in school. Um, I sleep. <laughs> That's your <laughs> but otherwise, Honestly, my dogs, when I was going through some of the things I was going through, uh, I, I realized that 
if people think I'm obsessed with my dogs because I am, because my dogs became a, a coping mechanism for me. Um, in my opinion, they were a, a comfort, a comfort blanket of sorts. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I became so attached to them. So honestly, just relaxing with my dogs, watching Netflix, nothing special. I love, I read more than, I have a book club because I just love to read. Um, what kind yeah, of I do. do you like? Uh, mostly like mystery, suspense, psychological thrillers, which, you know, given my background with the psychology and stuff, I mean, everybody likes those too. Um, but yeah, those are the kinds of things that I like. Um, and I've really gotten to where either I'm reading or I'm listening because in the mornings as I'm getting ready, it helps wake my brain up. Um, you know, uh, and I go through, I don't know how many books a week. Um, uh, so I, I love to read, um, but I just love to relax with, you know, when, when, when I can, because mm-hmm. dating me is hard because I get up at two 30 in the morning. I was about to ask um, you what time do you get up? Two thirty. I'm surprised. It, I'm surprised it took us this long to get to that question. Cause that's the first question <laughs> everybody asks. What, what time do you go get up? What time do you go to bed? I knew that was the next question. What time do you go to Not early enough. Um, I, I sleep a lot during the day. I'm much like a vampire. Um, I mean, look at my, I'm very vampire-esque. Um, I sleep a lot during the day, you know, when I can, um, so that I can have a social life. Um, because really with uh, weather specifically, um, unless, unless your shop, as you will call it, uh, has a midday shift, which a lot don't, there's no good schedule. You either are up, the, you know the birds like me um and then I'm off at noon though and I can go sleep or I can go do things that I need to get done during the day and honestly I'm so used to it at this point mm-hmm. I can go I mean when I used to cover the Grizzlies and we would have games um I remember specifically uh, the Golden State game but it was on TV so it didn't even go on until nine so I didn't even get home. I didn't go to bed. I mean, there have been plenty of times that I go. I didn't go to bed, and I still showed up work, and you didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> it's all I got it down to a science at this point. Now, That's ideally, true. ideally, I would like to go to bed at eight thirty, but I usually go to bed around ten. I get about four hours of sleep. Girl, like so, and I know that that doesn't that does not help any of my mental issues <laughs> no, <laughs> or no. any of it uh, or my weight for a long time. Um, it's statistically proven that uh, well obviously the less sleep you get more cortisol you have so the more body fat you have but also our morning shift if you look they did a study on people that work like third shift versus you know regular shift it is harder for us to stay healthy mm-hmm. we age faster and uh, we essentially are killing ourselves oh, <laughs> at a faster yeah. rate but that's why you see a lot of turnover because yeah. it's a lot of sacrifice but I would rather be tired and be able to do things then miss out on everything now right now nothing's going on but like mm-hmm. I want to go to Grizz games I want to go to concerts when I have a family I want to be there for homework and dinner and bedtime mm-hmm. I would I mean yeah I'm gonna miss breakfast but you know what they're they're probably cranky anyway you take them to school right. and I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll do all the sweet stuff um, at night you know it's so, coming um, look it's coming see you planted it all out of your mind it's coming so you're speaking it into existence <laughs> I know that um I mean at times so I turn I know this uh dropped some Monday so it, 
Monday. My birthday is Tuesday. So um, right. I will be... I will be 33, and in the South, that can sometimes be frowned upon um, because I haven't been married. But you know what? Like, it's okay, it's okay. I, I don't, but I don't view it that way. Like, I've, I've been a very ambitious person. I've everything I've done. I've put every single thing I have into it, and um, that is going to include, you know, the the right relationship as well. Yeah. And I feel like the person that I'm with right now. That I do have that future potentially with, so we'll see. Yes, we shall see. To be wow. continued. Yes, to be continued. I am so happy you joined me today, Chelsea. We've learned so much about you, but I do want to know what's next for Chelsea. Now, I know that you said that you are currently in school getting some more um, education with the meteorology, but like, what do you want to do? Because you have such an extensive background in so many things. What does Chelsea ultimately want to do? Let's talk long-term. Where do you see yourself in 10 years, maybe? I've always struggled with this question because that's not how my brain works. You think about it right now, huh? Sometimes I get lost in the forest, like, you know, can't see the forest for the trees type thing. But I'll tell you in my interview uh, for the job I have now, I told my boss, um, that all my life, all I wanted was to make it in Memphis. Mm. And I feel like, you know, I've done that. I've done that now. You know, um, I've had opportunities to leave. I've chosen to stay. Most people look at Memphis as a jump, a jumping point to get to where they want to go. And um, I've made it very clear. And my bosses know as well um, and have rewarded me for you know, the, my, um, commitment to this, this organization, but, um, I, and it would take a lot for me to leave Memphis, mm -hmm. um, a lot. Um, but like pie in the sky, if I just were to say, if this person, if they call me up today and we're like, if anyone's familiar with the WGN morning news crew in Chicago, yes. <laughs> oh my God. They are, they are everything that I feel like, I mean, they are hilarious. They have so much because they, because they aren't network affiliated. Mm -hmm. So they have so much time to fill yeah. and they do some of the like craziest stuff and like, that's fun. But also, I mean, I would be, I would, if Ginger Z wants to, you know, pass the baton, I'd, I'd move to Manhattan I know you will. <laughs> uh, we'll miss you, Chelsea. We'll miss you. But, uh, you know, but I, again, and I've had this conversation. I literally just resigned uh, with the with the company, so um, I'm here. But I've always, I mean, I've told them it would take something very, very special to take me away. And again, because I and I feel like that question when people that question, it's good to have goals, but I feel like that question also can limit you. And mm -hmm. I've never wanted to limit myself because I know that if I had set specific goals and only lived in that box, I think about so much stuff I would have missed out on. You know what I mean? Um, because so many things have happened just a happenstance, like just so randomly. That's why I told you, I, I literally fell into my job and there were people that would kill to have the job that I have. And I legitimately <laughs> fell into it. I mean, then I did the work, you know, and I, you know, I've got the education. Now I'm doing it to get the higher education. Um, 
you know, I want my seals. I want, and that's again, a more um, validation within the weather world. And um, it's just understanding it to the absolute best of my ability, you know, for, for y'all. Um, but I don't know. I think as cheesy as it sounds because of a lot of the things I've been through, because of the breakthroughs that I've had this year, as long as I'm happy in 10 years, that's wherever I'm at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Keep that smile on uh, face. Yeah. And you know what? And I, I do, I don't want people to ever think like, yeah, there've been times I've had a forced smile, but like when I'm laughing and cutting up, if you ever watch, I, we are always laughing and always cutting up. And my favorite thing in the world to do is because I can hear that countdown and I know exactly how to get my co-anchors and I love to make it to where they're uncomfortable and they, mm -hmm. so they're we're laughing when we come back on air and they're forced to have to say why <laughs> oh wow I bet you get so, it <laughs> oh, I I consider myself very quick-witted um so uh you know yeah you know another thing I like to do I love trivia and that's how Kevin Cerrito and I became you? but yeah so when he was like a one-man band work in like only one location mm -hmm. uh that was after my attack like after my daughter you can see my scar probably um oh wow there. i see that's a yeah it's like six inches long it's not hard to miss and i got like a hole in this arm you can kind of see it anyway oh, um yeah. that was when i wasn't working um uh but i was actually i wasn't working in tv um the way i got into sports radio is even more uh, random it is this is the most random of all stories um so when things didn't work out at channel five um ron shoulders ron olson and earl farrell who are all three prolific names in memphis media um earl used to work at 13 then he had a radio show ron olson obviously we know Hall of Fame radio. We all know we're on shoulders, mm -hmm. the bad weather maker. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> um, but they were like, no, we're going to figure out like you, you, we got to get you back in somehow. We got to figure something out. Well, then I had my accident and you know, I needed um, physical time to heal because I wasn't supposed to have my arm, much less full range of movement. And I can do, I shouldn't be able to do this and I can do all these things. Hmm. Um, my, I mean, I don't know if whoever's listening, I don't know what your religious thoughts are, but I will tell you, my doctor came into my room. My and I accident happened on a Monday. My surgery happened at like five or 6 a.m. on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, I was never by myself, but I was by myself for like 15 minutes. And the doctor came in and gave me that news. Like, hey, I'm gonna have to open you back up in the morning because they have to loosely sew dog bites because of infections um because we may have to amputate your arm and I'm like stop like that's not and I was the only time I was on myself my mother got physically ill I've never cried like that in my life anyway I've also never been enveloped in prayer like that in my life mm -hmm. um I mean it was Wednesday I sang in a church band um every I mean the word went out like you wouldn't believe and Thursday morning my doctor came in and was like I don't know how to explain it but I don't need to open you back up. And I personally can discharge you. But um, my infectious disease doctor, uh, who everyone has heard from recently, Dr. Threlkeld, um, who has 
thing, uh, thankfully I had the best in the city. Um, yeah. I had a nerve block, so I had to stay. And the only reason I had to stay in the hospital is because I had a nerve block in my shoulder and I still have a hole in my shoulder, but, um, long story short, like it's a miracle that, you know, all that happened. Uh, but then once I was ready, God opened another random door and, um, Earl called or text me or Facebook me out of the blue. And he was like, Hey kid, what do you know about the world cup? And I said, uh, well, how much time, how much time do I have? He goes, we go on air at four o'clock. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. I go, uh, enough. Right. <laughs> so I right. studied and I knew, I knew, I knew enough, you know, fake it till you make it. And I somehow became dubbed the world cup expert and to myself. I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about this, <laughs> but I learned very quickly. I, you know, um, I, I figured it out. I made friends, social media. I made friends with people in like Germany, you know, they care about their soccer oh, who yeah, were like teaching me things and this, that, and the other. So anyway, that's how I got into sports radio was first. It was just going to be about the world cup because you couldn't, ignore it like he didn't know anything about it but he knew he had to talk about it because um that was when usa that was when our um uh tim howard we call him that's when he got dubbed the uh secretary of defense 15 blocks against belgium and yeah. we still lost yeah I, I cried because i had been so emotionally invested at that point but i then pushed it and um evolved it into something more and I wanted to get into covering the Grizzlies so I said hey uh can I do it? I may even have while well, I'm in my car I could clean it out but I used to have my mic flag that I had I wouldn't have a mic flag made because I didn't have one um for my show because our show was just you know on AM radio but um I, I I opened those you know like I made myself open those doors and you know get ingrained in the and, and I did know basketball and I do know sports. Like uh, I'm, my dad, you know, and I grew up, I told you, um, and when I wrote, like my dad actually was almost the owner of the Atlanta Falcons at one point. Um, so I know football, he's a Braves fan. So I was, you know, yeah. I know baseball. I love hockey. Oh, I love hockey. <laughs> but I mean, I, I love it all. Mm -hmm. But um, NASCAR, I got a little country, yeah. a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I, um, I don't know, uh, that happened. And then I got, uh, you know, but, uh, I was doing it for free and people probably don't realize, I mean, I, he was just sometimes that for me, so. but you know what? I needed it, um, as a mental distraction. So what I would do is I would get on the treadmill every day and I'd watch soccer mm -hmm. and then I'd read, you know, every article that I needed to read. And, um, so I, if I did know what I was talking about at that point, you know, mm -hmm. um, but then I was like, well, it's time for me to move forward. And I got that job with the Phoenix Suns. And then I'm, you know, now I'm here. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, sometimes I do wonder what my life would be like had I gone to Phoenix. But I don't try to wonder about it too much because yeah. that wasn't what was in my plan. Oh, and wow. I don't know what's in my plan. You know um, what? Sports, some area of sports and media maybe in the future too, though. I know you're doing your meteorology thing. <laughs> you know, God has a way of opening doors and presenting opportunities you just never know because well, I, I, um, I know you enjoy i know you enjoy i love it yeah that's when they give me all they give me all the sports stories because again i'm i'm the one who knows in the you know the mornings that i'm the one who's having to be like no that's not how you pronounce her name or you know, whatever. <laughs> and 
you know, I've done sideline for ESPN for the Memphis, for Memphis. Um, uh, I've done that. I've done um, tennis, which I did not know about. I had to be, um, and those are some names. Those are some names to oh, learn. Definitely uh, international players. Oh yes. <laughs> um, but you know, having to learn a sport that I literally knew nothing about, but now I have a great appreciation for, and actually enjoy, I, I can actually watch it. Same with golf, you know? Um, but you know what, here's, you know what, this is my dream and you're going to laugh. Okay. What is it? So my grandfather, my grandfather on my mom's side, he, um, I was very, very close with both my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So, um, this is going to be like one of those stories. Like I have to tell you a couple of different parts of it for you to understand how close we are. But he taught me, um, what a lot of people would probably consider like vices in life, <laughs> but my, uh, my sister and my cousin only wanted to hang out with my grandmother, but grand was like my guy, you know, but I love my grandmother too. And, um, we always hung out as well, but you know, it, it made her happy because at least one of us liked my grandfather. That's right. terrible. But he <laughs> taught me how to play poker. Okay. Uh, he taught me how to play poker. He taught me how to, uh, a lot of magic tricks, taught me some really great corny jokes that I still use to this day. Um, but he, uh, mo he taught me how to play golf. Um, but most important, he had like back then, like now you can get kids, anything in the world, but mm -hmm. back then they didn't have kids golf clubs. He had like golf clubs made for me. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, but he, I can't divulge that, uh, but let's just say he was very well versed in the betting world. Oh, okay. So you know a little something about that. Uh, and he may have assisted a large portion of this city in placing some of those bets. Um, but the point is, he um, <laughs> taught me a whole lot about horse racing. Okay. And okay. I, that's, yes. So I've been to the Derby several times. I've been in, Ooh, uh, I've been very lucky. Had, I bet you was yes. at the Derbys. I know you missed it. It's, it's, oh. it's like, okay. It's like where I flourish. It's everything. Cause you know, I showed horses, uh, everything about it. I've even, and at one point I even looked at a job in, in Louisville solely, um, to be able to cover it. But, um, the point is he taught me how to bet on horses. Um, but I also inherited, because you can, you can look at paper. Um, he told me a bunch about uh, gambling on horses specifically. And so the Kentucky Derby have been uh, many a time. I love, the best part is designing, because I don't, girl, I'm not going to be basic. I design the hat. And then you build the outfit and then Ooh. you dress your man yes. uh, to fit you did your all specifications. <laughs> but the thing is that no man has ever believed me when I said, give me, give me a hundred bucks, give me some money. And I guarantee you not only will I make your money back, that I will make you a lot more back. I go, whatever you feel comfortable, give it to me. And a perfect example of that was um, one of my past relationships. He was like, yeah, okay, whatever. He gave me a hundred bucks and I had a trifecta and a couple other things. And so that 100 became 800 real fast. So, um, yeah, I've been on radio shows with like talking to people, um, about horse racing and stuff mm. like that. So here's my dream job. You ready for it? I'm ready. NBC sports. I want to be the girl that rides on the horse 
and trots up next to the winner and is like, you just won the Kentucky Derby. How do you feel? <laughs> That's my dream job because I have all the qualifications. I yes, got it. You do. Yes, you I do. can do it. I hope I you can get do your it. dream job, Chelsea. I hope you get it. Look, I, I guarantee you there are so many I, girls back in line that, that are just waiting in queue that do the, the small things at Churchill Downs, just waiting to take that job. But yeah. if I ever but get the chance, get you're going to get it you at just one point. <laughs> watch out. <laughs> I want to do it so bad. It's a, it's a real fun time. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I've, I've had a very very fun life yes. a very different life you know we touched on briefly you know the american idol things you know um my dad i told you my dad the things he's been through yeah i i told you that he was he almost bought the falcons and i feel like what that happened takes with that why didn't he get it i was gonna what, say what happened uh, that that i feel like needs some explanation so yeah. my dad um made the first radar detector so it was called the fuzz buster Oh, wow. Um, uh, it was his company. And um, so keep in mind, my dad's 80 years old. So all this was well before my time. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so to say he was swimming in cash is an understatement. Mm -hmm. He also then owned the Ford racing team um, in NASCAR for uh, funny cars, which are drag racing cars. Um, I guess it was night. It was I, I looked it up, so I made sure, but it was 1965 that the year that Richard Petty, um, my dad ordered, was with Ford, and Richard Petty took a break from what NASCAR, as people know it, uh, and raced funny cars for, for Chevrolet, and my dad raced it, you know, they were racing against each other. Um, so again, money, money, money. Well, the owner, the, the owner was like, I'm ready to sell it. My dad was like, great, here you go. And then mm. the owner's kids were like, dad, why would that? you sell it? We want it. <laughs> right. So they, they reneged on the offer. And um, so my dad didn't get it. But you know what? Had my dad owned the Atlanta Falcons, he probably would have never met my mother. Mm -hmm. And he never would have moved to Memphis for my mother. And I wouldn't be here. So, you know, again, everything happens for a reason. Uh, unfortunately, um, much like a lot of people, my dad then put, all that money into real estate and then um 2007 2008 happened and when i say uh dropped on my butt uh complete 180 of what life was wow. um like i mean my first car and i say this for a reason my first car my dad bought off of um jerome woods who played for the kansas city chiefs mm -hmm. at 15 years old um so i did not need a card like that um I had no idea about the value of a dollar. Uh, I was headed down a road that I look back on that I uh, am, I would not be proud of who I am if I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of those, those people. Uh, but literally going from having absolutely everything to having absolutely nothing. Hmm. Um, my family, I can't remember um, when I was in college, the only credit card that I had left was a Texaco gas card. Mm. That tells you how old it is. Uh, and I would beg my friends, can I put gas in your car until they, before they cut this card off so I can have some money to get some food? Like that's where I was at. Wow. Um, and it made me genuinely appreciate 
what life really was like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, what it meant to work hard. And, and I had been working hard for the things I'd been doing, but I also, I know that I was born into a certain level of privilege, uh, but I lost that privilege at, mm-hmm. at a, you know, a certain point. And I was pretty much, uh, my parents couldn't help me, but it changed our family. A lot of families were broken in that time, but that brought twofold. Other. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that was also the start of what in, eventually led to my brother's suicide was um, the financial ruin and all that. Um, wow. So, so a good and bad from, you know, every situation. And I think that's why it's important to always look for silver linings because they're there. Um, and a cheesy but applicable um, analogy is that no matter what the storm you're going through is, they can't last forever. They have to pass. And no matter how dark and cloudy those skies are, that sun is always shining above it. Yes. Sometimes you just have to get through the rain. If you want that rainbow, you got to get through the rain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, wow. uh, I'm very thankful that I have a family that I was that close to. And to prove that point, again, all over the place, um, the first time I went to American I told you I was close to my grandfather. The first thing, so um, no money, um, convinced my sorority sister's sister, who I didn't know, to help me drive to Dallas, slept outside on the floor. I mean, that's, we didn't have money for a hotel room, um, but you also had to do that anyway. But we were the first people in, in the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, mm-hmm. like the first people. <laughs> and um, anyway, so it's like a cattle call. There's so many different rounds. People don't realize that. But um, it's like a cattle call. Anyway, I make it through. And the very first thing they tell you is don't tell anyone. So, and you also, by the way, every, every step you get, you sign a new NDA. Okay. There you go, babe. I can't believe right. the internet acting an ass. But it I- might be mine. <laughs> I turned off Wi-Fi because our building is terrible and I'm too close to it. So I turned it off. Um, okay. Let me see where I could start. Um, I'll say, yeah. So um, people don't realize all the steps you have to go through for American Idol. And at first it's a cattle call. There's literally like, uh, I think there were 25,000 people in Dallas that auditioned. Um, and they take you like five at a time. And anyway, I make it through, they make you sign. The first thing they tell you is whatever you, you don't tell your grandparents. Cause your grandparents are gonna go tell the entire neighborhood and then you're gonna owe us a lot of money. But by the time you get up to Hollywood, it was a, like, like a $5 million NDA. And none of us have that kind of money, you know, um, so. I begged my mom. I mean, I had to call and tell my mom and we're all like freaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's like, okay, I won't tell, I won't tell. I'm like, okay, cool. So we have to drive, uh, the girl who went with me, her name was Carrie. Again, I don't know this girl. It's my sorority sister's sister. Like she just was like, whatever, I'll go. We helping out. So, um, so she helped me drive. We get home. I get home at three o'clock in the morning, something like that, around 
five o'clock, my mom, you know, comes to my bedroom and is like, Hey, I know you're tired, but your grandfather was just taken to the hospital. Do you want to go? I'm like, absolutely. Shot up immediately. Cause I'm incredibly close to my grandfather. And, uh, you know, if you've ever experienced loss, the one thing you don't want them to ever do is to take you into the side room because the side room means that you are about to get some hard news. Yeah. And, um, so my grandfather had already had a quadruple bypass um, twice in one day because it failed the first time. Anyway, long story short, uh, he was he was DOA. I mean, he he died in his sleep, but um, you know they had to take him to the hospital. But the point was, I'm crying. I just lost my grandfather, but I'm bawling. I'm like, I, he didn't know. He didn't know that I made it to American Idol because we it was at Father's Day. We're at Pete and Sam's because that's his favorite place, and so. I love going there for him. It was Father's Day. And I announced to the table, like, hey, I think I'm going to go to American Idol. And my dad um, was like, you don't need to do that. And my grandfather was like, don't listen to anybody. He was like, you need to go because you're going to make it. And I was like, all right, I'm going. So, so I go and I'm crying. He didn't know. He didn't know. And my mom is just stoic. Well, she's crying, I'm sure. But she just looks at me and she goes, I called and told him. Oh, he knew. I'm so he knew. knew. So oh. he knew. And, you know, some people may think that's weird, but they allow you, you know, to go say goodbye, you know. And I went and I talked to him and, and I knew I was talking more to his spirit at that point. But yeah. uh, now I'm going to get emotional. Um, but, like, uh, he changed my life because he pushed me so hard and believed in me. He told me his favorite song was um, Judy Garland's The Man That Got Away uh, from – a Star is Born, oh. which has been, you know, obviously remade. It's four different versions of it. But mm -hmm. he told me that I sang better than Judy Garland. And I'm like, oh. it's, that's he one of those things it. that you're like. He meant it. Too. But he, he meant it. But for me to hear that, it's like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah. But, like, I had to buy him a CD player just so he could listen to me sing. And I recorded that and a bunch of his favorite songs. And um, we played some of them at his funeral. But anyway. Um, I just know that I wouldn't be here if it wouldn't be for the shaping of every person that's come across my life, but especially my family, yeah. um, through the good, but especially through the hard times. I have some of the best friends in the world that have literally drug me, um, <laughs> out the house. Uh, they've, they've know, learned when I really am saying no, and I, I physically or mentally can't take something and when uh, they're going to push it and, and get me out. And they've gotten me through a lot. And I'm here today and I'm just, I'm just really thankful for, you know, every opportunity that I have. I know I'm blessed and I am so thankful that people even care to listen to anything yes. I have to say. Yes, You know, um, I told you I'm a crier. <laughs> Girl, you got I me tearing up over here. You got me tearing <laughs> up. I, I'm so happy that, that you're willing to share, Chelsea, because a lot of people in your position, you can't even get them on the phone. And you have revealed so much about your life. And, you know, I know that the Verbally Effective audience is really going to appreciate your journey, your amazing journey, your story. You've been through so much and you have been so transparent today. And I truly appreciate you, Chelsea. And I know whatever you want, girl, you're going to go and get it. And you have an amazing support system as well. And I just wish you the best of luck in anything that you want. I know 
you gonna grab it, girl. You got this, honey. You got it. You got it. Thank you, Miss Chelsea. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do want to say to your audience, though, um, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. I don't care if I don't know you from Adam. If you ever feel alone or if something's going on and you don't feel like you have anyone to call, don't feel weird. You can, I've always put that out there. You can message me, ask for help because it's out there. And because this world needs you and someone needs you and you have a purpose in this world. And even if you can't see that right now, know that you do. Yes. Because even when you lose sight of it, surround yourself with the people that can see it for you. That's true. That's true. You all heard what Chelsea said. <laughs> Reach out. And Chelsea, okay, speaking of getting in touch with you, how can everybody you know, follow your uh, amazing personality uh, <laughs> on social media and tune in. Give them all the details, Chelsea. Uh, well, I'm all over Twitter, local 24 Chelsea. Um, my personal Facebook page is open and public. If you met, I mean, if you add me, unfortunately, sometimes I just get so many, I get lost, but you can still message me. Uh, you can comment on everything because everything's public, but I do have a page meteorologist uh, Chelsea Chandler and honestly my email is cchandler at localmemphis.com you can literally ask me be appropriate that's what I always tell people because you get some people be appropriate and I always give and here's the thing if you're gonna be inappropriate I don't give you one chance and I'm and I and I won't write you off we're gonna use it as a learning experience right um but be appropriate you know um but I'm happy. I want to, I want to get to know you guys. I want you guys to get to know me. So, um, but yeah, that's how you can find me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not difficult to find and I will get back to you. Yes, she is. Don't call me because I stream my phone calls. Look, don't call her. <laughs> but don't call I, me. I, I'm a witness. She's very engaging with her social media followers. So like she said, she will hit you back. She will respond. And we'll be tuning in to you, Chelsea, on Local 24. We're going to be following you on social media. And I'm going to be tuned in. You know, I'm trying to see if some wedding bells coming soon. So I'm going to be messing with you Girl. with <laughs> I'm going to be messing with you with that, honey. So thank you so much, Chelsea. Don't worry. You, you will all know because yes. I'm going to be walking. My left hand going to be dragging the ground. Yes, with that big <laughs> rock, with that big old rock. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea Chandler, for joining us today on episode 145 of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.